0: Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the Aoy app on Apple or Google Play. Good morning, everybody. Well, I'm so grateful to be here today and to have this opportunity. And it's good to see everybody today. Did you get recovered from the feast? I think I barely did. I, uh, I think I'm still tired, actually. But uh, man, what a great time. I, uh, I feel, uh, at the same time, I feel recharged. I feel revivaled, if that's a word. But uh, Yahweh's feasts are built-in revivals, amen? So uh, I appreciate that. It was a great time. I ran 100 miles an hour for eight days and then I looked up and it was over and I was depressed. <laughs> so, but it was a great time. And now we get to celebrate another one of Yahweh's Sabbath days. And so that is a great thing, a regular thing that we have in our lives. Today, I would like to talk about how the Tower of Babel is a lesson for us. I'd like to first go to Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, and look at this passage. And uh, I'll try to display this up on the screen here as well. I have, um, as my custom is, I have some, uh, some portions highlighted that uh, will hopefully help us key in on the, uh, on the points of what I want to bring out. Everybody see that? Except for, well, Gary, you'll have to listen as, we, as usual. So we have fun with Gary. Appreciate you, Gary. All right. Genesis eleven one through nine. So let's look at this passage. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come. Let us build ourselves a city, a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But Yahweh came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And Yahweh said, indeed, the people are one and they have one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do, now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. So apparently these people got together. They had one language. They didn't have any problems communicating. Uh, They built this tower which was high. We don't know how high, but it was a tower described as reaching into the heavens. And it says that nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. So they they got together and collectively they had a lot of power, obviously. You might say, and I, I thought of this, maybe, maybe this is a memory aid, they had
1: a tower of power. So, continuing with verse 7, it says, "'Come,
0: let us go down, and there confuse their language, "'that they might not understand one another's speech. "'So Yahweh scattered them abroad from there, over the face of all the earth,' and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there Yahweh confused the language of all the earth. And from there Yahweh scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. And so we see that the city was Babel, the tower was the tower of Babel, and there's a connection between the word Babel and the fact that there Yahweh confused the language which is why I emphasize the city and Babel, and the fact that Yahweh confused the language. So we'll talk a little bit more about Babel uh, here in in a short while. But as the passage indicates, there was something very wrong with what was going on here.
1: Yahweh confused their language. He scattered them abroad and brought their city to a halt. And I'd like to put up a picture, a depiction of what this tower
0: may have looked like. So there you go, depiction of the Tower of Babel. This is uh, something what it might have looked like. The Faith Life Study Bible note on Genesis eleven four states, the tower was not the only thing that would, able, that would enable the people to remain together rather than spread over the earth. The city was also essential. The tower spoken of here was a ziggurat. That's, that's a word we don't hear very often, isn't it? A ziggurat. And I, I did check the dictionary uh, and also let it pronounce the word for me on the online dictionary to try to make sure I was saying it right today. Uh, but it said ziggurat. So I thought of, well, not cigarette, but ziggurat. So maybe, maybe we can all remember how to say ziggurat. And it, it, The note goes on to say, the tower spoken of here was a ziggurat temple, a massive brick-stepped tower that dominated the landscape. merriam states, an ancient Mesopotamian temple tower consisting of a lofty pyramidal structure built in successive stages with outside staircases and a shrine at the top also a structure or object of similar form. The shrine at the top is indicative of pagan worship. I've also read uh, material that indicated that at the top, they, they used this facility to observe the sky. Not to observe the sky in an astronomical way, in, in a scientific way of looking at the movements uh, of the sky. but rather studying the movements of the sky as in astrology. And there is a vast difference that I would like to mention today between astrology and astronomy, because that's not something we often talk about. But an example of astrology is is your horoscope. Uh, Don't read that, by the way, because, uh, because this is part of astrology. It's part of Studying the skies and then making a determination about one's future or what your day is going to be like, uh, that's, that's what a horoscope is. And so that's astrology. On the other hand, we have astronomy, which is actually science or the study of the movements of the sky for factual purposes, uh, not connected to false religion, but actually... We know that Yahweh put the lights in the skies, according to Genesis 1, 14. And and we see that, for example, he he made his calendar work by the lights in the skies. Um, And we're told about that, that they're for signs, for seasons, uh, for days and years. And so one thing I want to note and, and maybe this will be something that will, that will help the small children coming up that notice how we, we look for the new moon in the western sky because that determines a new scriptural month. Now, we're not worshiping that moon when we look at it. We're looking at it as a sign that Yahweh put in the heavens. Be aware that some people do say, some people do accuse us of when we look at that, that that's worship, but that's not the case. We, we observe the signs that Yahweh has put in the sky. We notice them, uh, but we don't worship them. And it's very important that we don't worship them because that's one thing that Israel fell into. They worshiped the queen of heaven. Uh, they fell into to worshiping the creation instead of the creator. And that's one thing that we always need to be careful of. We need to worship the Creator and not the creation. And that's spoken of in the Bible as well. And so, moving on here, let's notice verse 4. Let's go back to verse 4 in the passage. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. (coughs) Excuse me. So, I want to key in on that phrase, let us make a name for ourselves. A name is an identifying factor, and it serves to keep a family, group, or organization together. Inherent in this identification is the power and authority associated with the named person or group. Let's compare 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14. Let me see if I can get that one up on the display here because I have uh, some keywords emphasized. So notice there, 2 Chronicles 7.14. Notice that it starts out with if that I've emphasized there in red. And it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So we find here an if and a then. And I wanted to mention that to all you computer programmers out there, this if then statement is probably one of the most significant if then statements ever. But consider, the. once again, we see back there in Genesis, these people wanted a name for themselves. And we see here in Second Chronicles 7.14 that Yahweh's people are called by his name. And so, for example, I want to consider the assembly of Yahweh, seventh day. People who attend are known by Yahweh's name. It has literally been said, he or she is a Yahweh. Now, of course, we don't proclaim to be little Yahwehs, but I'm just telling you what's been said, and and some of you have heard that. He or she is a Yahweh. Well, I would say that that's being known by
1: Yahweh's name. Next, Yahweh's name is a means of keeping us together. And we want to honor the name of our Creator and attend a place where it is honored. So this idea of the people wanting to
0: make their na- a name for themselves in Genesis, although they had a bad purpose in mind, you can see that the reason that they wanted a name for themselves, they wanted to be probably recognized. They wanted to be uh, identified. They wanted their group to stay together. They wanted to have this namesake. And so, it's a, and so it's a blessing to us that we have a namesake, but, but we have it for the right reasons. I want to move on to verse 7, and I'll take this down for momentarily. But as we go down through this passage, I want to look at verse 7 now. It says, Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Here, this speaks of Yahweh conversing with his heavenly court. And I want to put up a couple of scriptures on the screen, 1 Kings 22, 19 and Nehemiah 9, 6.
1: And we will see from these comparison scriptures, Yahweh's heavenly court.
0: 1 Kings twenty-two nineteen depicts the hosts of heaven around Yahweh's throne. It says, Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of Yahweh. I saw Yahweh sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And Nehemiah 9.6 reveals that the host of heaven worships Yahweh. Nehemiah 9, six says, You alone are Yahweh. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. So from these scriptures, we see that Yahweh alone is Yahweh, and his hosts dwell around about him. Notably, Yahweh is called Yahweh of hosts over 200 times in scripture. And we see why. It's because his heavenly hosts are round about him.
1: They are his hosts. Let's move on down to verse 9. And this is where we run into the fact that the,
0: the place was called Babel. Therefore its name is called Babel because there Yahweh confused the language of all the earth and from there Yahweh scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. The word is Babel and Strong's Dictionary confi- uh, defines it as confusion. And it says it includes Babylonia and the Babylonian Empire in the dictionary entry. I want to note that just like we talked about how that astronomy is not astrology, I also want to point out that fortune-telling, which is part of, which is part of pagan worship, fortune-telling and Yahweh's prophecy are also two things that are polar opposites of each other also want to point out now that Babel, our confusion, is the polar opposite of Yahweh. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For Yahweh is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the assemblies of the saints. And so we see this confusion. We see that it came about that confusion reigned in Genesis chapter 11. And this was a result of the
1: fact that The people were up to no good. Confusion still reigns in our world today.
0: And I have some points for us to consider in our lives. This gets down to why I entitled this, The Tower of Babel, A Lesson for
1: Us. Points to consider in our lives. So these are the points I have.
0: Do not be ensnared in today's babble or confusion. We need to acknowledge, consult, commit, and and inquire. And I'll talk more about what I mean about these. But not to be ensnared, to acknowledge, consult, commit, and inquire. So to, so to begin with the first point in this section, do not be ensnared in today's babble or confusion. Let's compare Revelation 18, 1 through 5. It says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and Yahweh has remembered her, her iniquities. Once again, the word iniquities means lawlessness. Yahweh has remembered her iniquities or her lawlessness. Interestingly, looking up Babylon in the Strong's Dictionary, it states, it states that this word is from the Hebrew word Babel. It says it originated from that. So it made its way it actually, this word actually made its way into the Greek text from the original
1: Hebrew word "Babel," and it's here called Babylon. I have a side note from verse two. Notice that it said that
0: it's a cage for every unclean and hated bird. So, Revelation we see here in the last book of the Bible reveals that scriptural dietary law is still in place. The big picture is, is that the Bible reflects obedience to Yahweh's Torah instructions throughout.
1: So, that is, we need to not be ensnared in today's Bible or in today's
0: confusion. It's something that Yahweh calls his people out of.
1: I want to move on to acknowledging how we need to acknowledge. Proverbs 3.6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. How do
0: we acknowledge Yahweh in all of our ways? In this verse, the word acknowledge derives from the Hebrew word yadah, meaning to know. And I'd like to uh, show here from the Amplified Bible how this translation brings out the richer meaning of the Hebrew to the surface. It says, In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. So obviously we can see when we get a little deeper into the meaning of this word, That it does not mean simply know about him. It means to know him in a personal way. To acknowledge him in a personal way so that it actually is something that comes into our lives and affects how we live. To know, to recognize, and to acknowledge him. And thus, he will direct and make straight and plain our paths. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? So... I have a question for self-examination for all of us. Do you and I acknowledge Yahweh in each and all of our ways? Just something to contemplate for a moment and to hopefully take with you and contemplate. This is a daily thing. Do you and I acknowledge Yahweh in each and all of our ways? We can compare this to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matt six thirty-three says, but seek first. Those are, two, those are two significant words there. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of Yahweh and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. In all your ways, know, recognize, acknowledge him. Seek first the kingdom of Yahweh. Those two verses accompany each other very well. Something for us to always keep in mind when we get out of bed each and every day, to seek first Yahweh's kingdom. That's
1: the most important thing in life. Everything else follows from there. So we need to escape
0: today's confusion. We need to acknowledge Yahweh. We also need to consult Yahweh. We should always consult Yahweh in prayer that our plans will be according to his plan for our lives. And I thought of several examples of, of how that just in regular day-to-day life, people consult so that, so that they can try to be on the right paths in their lives, so that they can be successful about whatever topic it is they're consulting. So, so some examples that I thought of are business planning,
1: Financial planning, health planning, and a couple of publications that I thought of that
0: people consult, for example, are Consumer Reports and Motor Trend. You know, Melissa and I, for example, we we try to make sure that when we spend thousand dollars on appliance on an appliance that it's that it's going to be a good one. We hope, and uh, so we check out Consumer Reports. Uh, people check out Motor Trend because you know they might want that Motor Trend Car of the Year that we hear about. And so, a lot there's a lot of consulting that goes on in life. If you stop and think about it, how much more should we consult
1: Yahweh and adjust our plans accordingly? We also need to commit to Him. And I believe I
0: read something interesting about committing to him in Psalm, verse, uh, Psalm 37,
1: verse 5. So let us look at that. Psalm 37, verse 5 says, Commit your way to Yahweh, trust also
0: in him, and he shall bring it to pass. The Hebrew literally means roll off onto, to to roll off onto your way to Yahweh.
1: Again, the amplified version brings this out. And I would like to uh, put this up on the display here so you can see it. I'm sorry, it's broken between two pages here, but it says,
0: commit your way to Yahweh. And then the bracketed portion is included in the text of the Amplified Bible. That's part of their convention. So it says, commit your way to Yahweh. Roll and repose each care of your load on Him. Trust, again, parentheses are included. Lean on, rely on, and be confident also in Him. And he will bring it to pass. And so to me, I think this is a very picturesque type, uh, a very picturesque way of putting it to roll your way onto Yahweh. It's like, it's like I think it's like saying, you know, here, and you're, and you're passing this, this load over to him. You're putting your trust in him to, to take care of things
1: and to, to lead and guide. Another scripture, Proverbs 16.3,
0: says, Commit your works to Yahweh, and your thoughts will be established. Well, one way we commit to Yahweh is by following
1: His Word. Let's compare Psalm 119, verses 105 and 130. Psalm 119, verses 105 and 130. Verse 105, it's popular verse, says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path.
0: A popular verse, but we probably can't hear it enough. Yahweh's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Uh, verse 130 goes on to say, The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So Yahweh's word lights our path, thus allowing us to see his way. And I'd also like to look at 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 16. And I want to put this verse up here as well uh, because it actually has the word babblings in it, which goes along with our topic of, of babble, or confusion. 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 16 says, "...be diligent to present yourself approved to Yahweh, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more irreverence. And so once again, we're warned, we're warned about this idea of, of, of babblings. By the way, uh, for the word irreverence there, I have a note, that uh, a side note here that I would like to uh, share that it's that the, the word from the Greek text is asevius, and it means impiety or wickedness. Uh, impiety is the opposite of piety, or reverence, and thus is irreverence. So shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more irreverence. The way our lives need to be patterned is the fact that we have reverence for Yahweh. And there is a lot of irreverence that's going on in our world today. Uh, things like rioting and looting, that's actually irreverence to Yahweh and to our fellow man. These are not the things. We read that Yahweh is not the author of confusion already, right? And so, so these are things that are irreverent. They're in disrespect of the way that Yahweh orders things. And then we need to inquire. Psalm twenty. 20- Psalm 27 verse four says, one thing I have desired of Yahweh, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of Yahweh all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of Yahweh and to inquire in his temple. And so this was written, of course, when the temple was in service and where this was the central location of worship. And the Psalmist here says that he wanted to inquire in his temple. And we can take a lesson from this that we need to inquire of Yahweh. We need to seek Him out. And so, in conclusion, let us remember to acknowledge Yahweh, to consult Yahweh, and adjust our words, actions, and plans as needed to commit our way to Yahweh and to inquire of Yahweh. These keys help us to avoid the confusion of our Babylonian style world. And may Yahweh richly bless you.